the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome again uh, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Nice to have you with us here on the new AM 990. And, of course, FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We gather like this every weekend. Uh, We get on the air because the engineering powers of, well, we just call him Pete, Pistol Pete. He gets us on the air. Andrew Herdliska is the producer of the show. And Laura Ritchie is our first guest She's in Oklahoma City. We're going to talk about her book, My First Easter, and Just Like Jesus. Laura, welcome to Orlando. How are you? Hi, Pat. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Explain this book. Your first uh, Easter storybook highlights the events leading up to Easter as families celebrate the fulfilled promise of Jesus, the rescuer, living, dying, and rising again to offer the world new life. Uh, What's the background? What's going on here? Yeah, so these two board books are part of the Bible Storybook series. And so these two particular books are based on the Easter Storybook. And that is the second book in the series. The first one is the Advent Storybook. And those two storybooks are actually four ages, like four to eight. Um, And then these two board books are for the littler guys, so babies and toddlers, ages like zero to three. Um, but my first Easter storybook and Just Like Jesus are both based on the Easter storybook. And so if anybody has seen that book, the illustrations will be familiar with them or for them. Um, but my first Easter storybook is um, based a little more closely on, on the original and shows who Jesus is. And so um, it has seven stories, and each story starts with a title of Jesus, like Jesus the Rescuer or Jesus the Healer. Um, and just travels through Jesus' life, um, showing some of the key stories in his life. And then um, at the, you know, towards the end, you have um, Jesus, the Son of God, and that shows him dying. And then the very last one is um, Jesus coming back to life. And so I feel like my first Easter storybook is a pretty good um, summary um, and explanation of what the gospel is, you know, who Jesus is, and... Um, just shows that he's the rescuer who came to make all things good and new again. And then the other book that is also based on the Easter storybook is Just Like Jesus, and um, it has also seven stories, um, but it's the text is a little bit shorter, um, fewer words per page, and it all rhymes. And um, it also teaches opposites to kids, so like up, down, in, out. And has a fun little prompt at the end that gets the child involved. Laura Ritchie is with us from Oklahoma City. Laura, why is it so important to read to your children? 
Yeah, reading is huge. Um, you know, we we love we love books. In my house, we have books and you know so many um, bookshelves full of books. Um, and I feel like it's a really good time just to have that one-on-one um, time with your child, and you really make a lot of memories. And it's kind of a shared experience that you have. And kids remember the books that they read, um, you know, all the way up until they're grown up. And a lot of times they want to share those same books that they loved as a child with their own children. Um, but it's, it's so important to just sit down and, and have that time with your kid. And it also helps them um, learn to love stories and love books. And um, that will help them in school and as they get older as well. Um, but, you know, we, we love this, this um, storybook series, and it's pretty fun that we have the board books for babies and toddlers now, too, so they can kind of be a part of those family traditions. Um, but the Advent storybook is intended to be read during Advent, so the month of December. Um, and then the Easter storybook is intended to be read during Lent, the season before um, Easter. And so we're actually reading through that as a family right now and enjoying that a lot. Laura, <clears throat> I'm uh, interested in uh, your expanding about uh, getting your kids first interested in Jesus, uh, things of the Lord, um, mm-hmm. w- without forcing it on them. Uh, what, what have you learned? <clears throat> so I, um, I grew up in a Christian family and went to church all the time. Um, and then I actually became a missionary kid when I was about 10 or 11. Um, so I heard all the stories, you know, I knew the Bible very well and, um, I heard a lot of truth growing up. Um, but for me, um, I still had a very skewed understanding of who God is. Um, I really saw God as someone who had a lot of rules that I was expected to follow. And if I followed them, then I would be rewarded. He would be happy with me. And if I didn't follow them, then I would be punished. And so he was really kind of a taskmaster and um, just from my perspective. And <clears throat> I tried really, really hard for so many years um, to follow all of those rules. And it wasn't until my mid-20s when I was just overwhelmed with life. I had two very little ones and <clears throat> My husband and I had crazy work schedules, and it was just, it was a very, it was a really hard time. Um, but it wasn't until that really hard time that I kind of got to the end of my rope and realized that all of my attempts to follow all the rules and to be good enough were actually never going to be good enough. Um, I, I finally kind of had a breakthrough and realized that all the rules were really about love. And when it came down to it, if I was really honest, I didn't love God. <laughs> It's, it's pretty hard to love someone that you just, you know, imagine is always looking down on you, waiting for you to mess up. And it was, I couldn't even love these little babies that he had given me consistently and well enough. Um, and so, you know, at that point, I just kind of let go of all of my striving. And um, whenever I did, it was so scary to let go of, all, you know, all the years of trying so hard. Um, but whenever I did, I actually saw Jesus, who he really was for the first time, and uh, he was he was beautiful, and I was in awe of him, and I realized that he had come because I couldn't ever be good enough, and he knew that. Like, that wasn't surprising to him. Um, that's why he came, 
And so this whole storybook series kind of um, grew out of that journey of um, discovering that Jesus is our rescuer, and he came to make all things good and new again. And I really didn't want my kids to grow, grow up in church like I had and still miss, you know, who God really is. And so that's kind of uh, my heart behind these stories is helping kids really understand who God is, who Jesus is, and that we all need him. We all need to be rescued. So from what you learned as a kid, uh, now with children, uh, uh, do you want to present differently? Um, any, anything you've learned that you can pass on? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, one big thing is when you're sharing Bible stories, um, I think we need to understand that there's kind of a, a story arc in the Bible. And when it comes down to it, it's not a bunch of um, heroes that we're reading about that we're supposed to um, try to emulate. You know, um, it's actually a bunch of people that are broken, just like we are, but they are a part of God's overall story of, of trying to rescue us and redeem us and redeem all of creation. And because of Jesus and, you know, his work, we get to be a part of that story. Um, so that was one big thing that I know as a kid. You know, it was, it was a lot of, um, these are the heroes. This is, you know, this is the great thing about Abraham. This is the great thing about David. Um, be like them. And we can't, you know. Um, and they, if, if you look at their, their stories, they were just as broken as we are, you know. Um, but God can still work through them. Um, but he is the one who is, um, he's the one who's doing the rescuing and the good, and we get to be a part of what he's doing just because of grace. Um, I forgot to ask you about your children. How old are they, and uh, how are they doing? They're good. I have four. Um, they're eight, six, four, and two, and we homeschool them. So we things stay busy, but really fun. Explain to us the pluses of homeschooling. And and are, and and are there downsides? <laughs> um, yes, there are both. The biggest plus for me is that we get to do life together. So you know we're not sending the kids off to separate schools um, for most of the day every day. So we get to we get to be together. Um, and there's also a lot of flexibility. So um, I can kind of pick the curriculum that fits each child, and I know exactly where they are and their strengths and their weaknesses, and I can kind of tailor the way I teach them to their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and if they're interested in something, then I can make sure that they get to study about that. Um, so it's a lot of fun, and it's totally worth it. Um, but there are things that are hard, you know. Um, you don't have much uh, downtime. Whenever your kids are always with you, um, and um, usually you're going to have to have, you know, one parent that is mostly at home with the kids, you can't really have two full-time working parents, so there are some financial um, things that, you know, sacrifices that happen. But it's totally worth it, and we love it. We, we really do love getting to be with our kids. When does it come to the point that the teacher, the mother, or father uh, just isn't equipped to teach all those courses and all those different so, subjects? Does that come? You know, there are so many awesome curriculum options now that it really doesn't. Um, I didn't have a super great math foundation growing up, um, but I found a curriculum that is amazing. Um, there, it's called Math UC, but 
um, there's a little video that goes with each lesson, and it's really short, like usually less than five minutes. But we just watch it together, you know, me and um, whichever child is on the new lesson. Um, and then we both kind of know how he taught it. And um, then we, you know, work through the, the worksheets um, until the next lesson. So they're awesome curriculum. You know, you don't have to be an expert on everything. You just have to find a good curriculum, basically. My guest is Laura Ritchie. Uh, she's in Oklahoma City. We're talking about her book, author of My First Easter, and Just Like Jesus. Laura, can that series go on endlessly with these kind of books? <laughs> I don't think endlessly, but we do have another storybook coming out um, this fall. And um, so the first book is the Advent storybook, and it traveled through the Old Testament. <coughs> and the goal of that book was to show why Jesus came. And then the Easter storybook is the second one, and it kind of um, covers the Gospels and shows who Jesus is. And then the third storybook is going to go through the book of Acts and a few of the New Testament letters. And so the goal of that storybook is to show that Jesus' mission of making all things good and new didn't end whenever he went to be with his Father. Um, he sent his Spirit, and the, the work continued through his friends. Laura Ritchie is with us from Oklahoma City. Uh, Oklahoma City is a fascinating place. Describe that city to one who's never been there, Laura. What are your thoughts? It's growing. Um, it, it definitely is growing. It is very flat for people that are used to, like, mountains and things like that. We don't have many trees. <laughs> um, but you you can you can find some pretty fun stuff here. Um, and it, it's a little bit spread out. It's you know, we don't have, we have apartments and things, but not as many as in like the big, big cities, like in the Northeast. Um, but we've been here, you know, for almost 10 years and um, we like it here. Laura, what do you see ahead for your th- four children? What are you learning about them? What potential do you see in them? They are all so different. It's really fun watching as they grow their different personalities. Um, my oldest is a little more like me than the other ones. Um, he's a little more serious and has some, uh, he likes to be really good at things and he's kind of a perfectionist at (laughs) at times. Um, but he's, he's still very bright, um, loves to read, loves books, just like I always did. Um, and, um, all the other ones are just, everyone is so different. Um, so I am excited to see what God has in store. Um, I have no idea what they're going to end up doing when they, when they get bigger. Um, but it is, it's really fun watching their personalities develop. And um, it's really fun that they all get to be together um, so much. They spend, you know, pretty much every day together since we homeschool. Um, so they're all really good friends and get to play a lot. So I'm excited that they're going to have that. Um, whenever they get older, too. They're going to have some really close friends. We have another segment with Laura Ritchie, uh, author of My First Easter and Just Like Jesus. Stay with us here. Uh, I just want to remind you that my latest book is out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. It's a 365-day devotional uh, with each story, a sports story, sports anecdote that leads into the spiritual message. Uh, go up to Amazon. I think you'll you'll find some real value in this book. Every day is game day. Wrote it with my friend Mark Atterbury and uh, Advantage Media Group. Did the publishing. 
Well, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour continues. First, these messages on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Laura Ritchie is our guest. Uh, she is uh, in Oklahoma City. We're talking about her books for young youngsters, My First Easter and Just Like Jesus. Laura, the most intriguing thing to me with young people is how do you get them talking uh, with their friends and so forth, comfortable talking about spiritual things, uh, their their love for Jesus, and uh, how do you get a kid comfortable doing that? I think that um, as a family, talking about spiritual things and talking about God, um, if it's just kind of a part of what you do, you know, most most um, most of the, I don't know if every day, but you know, most days of the week, um, if it's just part of just kind of your life um, at home together. And it makes it a lot easier for that to kind of be incorporated into who they are and into their conversations. Um, I think that's one of the strengths of these storybooks is um, like the Advent storybook. Um, I'm hoping, you know, families will read it every December um, before Christmas, the 25 days before Christmas. And then the Easter storybook um, can be read every um, Lent um, before Easter. And so it's kind of something that you just pick up every year. It kind of becomes a habit and a tradition um, so I think reading stories is another, you know, just reading books, um, about God and, um, showing who Jesus is, is a really good way to just kind of make that a part of your life. And then just having conversations, you know, asking for, let's pray about that. You know, if, if they're worried about something or scared about something, let's talk to Jesus about it. Or, um, you know, pointing out how, um, you know, God helps us forgive when someone hurts us. Or, you know, God is the one that can help us love each other whenever we're fighting. Um, those sorts of things, I think, will help help it become just a part of who kids are and then who they are is who they'll share with their friends. I uh, want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, uh, sharing of your faith and when a kid can start doing that with his friends. It terrifies most adults, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's the scariest thing any Christian can do. How do you avoid that with young people and get them comfortable? Uh, not being overwhelming or weird or or, mm-hmm. or, or goofy, but just in a mm-hmm. nat- natural way of life. Uh, I think that's the real challenge we face. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, in our culture, we tend to be very individualistic. And so it's, if you feel like you're going out to try to convince someone to join your team mm-hmm. um, or, you know, to join your um, denomination or whatever, it can feel kind of coercive, you know? Um, so that's one side, you know, you're trying to like convince someone to come join your side. Um, and that's, you know, that doesn't feel great, especially in our culture. Um, I feel like the other kind of thing that can happen is you're sharing because you want to earn some points, you know? Uh, you know, you're supposed to do this, and if you're a good Christian, then you're going to go share your faith with someone. And so that's kind of a self-centered reason, you know, to, to witness and to share. Um, I feel like the best way is whenever you're just doing life with people, you know, um, whenever you're 
at work or at school or you know, playing a sport or whatever. If those conversations just kind of happen naturally because of um, Jesus just being a part of your life. And so it's not like you're trying to convince them, um, you know, oh, you're a sinner. Oh, you know, you need, you need Jesus if you want to go to heaven. It's more just like, man, this is a really hard thing I'm going through, and this is, you know, what I do. Like, I, I know that um, I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for Jesus or, um, you know, something like that. And so I, I feel like if, it's, if Jesus is someone that you see as beautiful and good um, and that he is just a part of your daily life um, and you want him to be, that that will kind of naturally overflow into your conversations with others. And that can happen for kids, too, um, you know, as they grow in Him. Um, those are kind of my thoughts on that. Laura Ritchie is with us. We're talking about her writing and her teaching experiences from Oklahoma City, my first Easter and Just Like Jesus. Uh, I can see, Laura, your, your series continuing uh, built around personalities of the Bible, uh, just like Peter, just like Paul, just like Daniel, just like Joseph, just like Abraham. I'm I'm getting excited just listing them off to you. Uh, what, <laughs> what do you think? So we do have, you know, that third book coming out um, that is called the Go and Tell Storybook. Um, this year, it's going to come out in the fall. And I don't know if there's going to be a board book based on that. Um, I haven't really talked to the publisher about that yet. I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to work. But um, honestly, my hope, and I have no idea if this will ever happen with the series, but my hope is to <coughs> kind of continue the story um, through history. And so, you know, the, the very first book, the Advent Storybook, covers the Old Testament, so creation all the way until Jesus came. And then the Easter Storybook covers Jesus's life, and then the Go and Tell Storybook is going to cover, you know, the period um, after Jesus ascended to be with the Father, and um, when the disciples were spreading the word, you know, and started to travel, and the story was spreading to um, the non-Jewish people as well. And my hope is that I can kind of pick things up from there and go through the next, you know, like um, 15 centuries, and so. Um, include, you know, people like um, Athanasius and um, just some of the early church fathers and show how all of our, um, how all our different denominations, all of our, our Christian faith today um, was passed on to those people. Um, and, you know, there's kind of an unbroken thread. Um, we didn't just um, arrive, we didn't just get our, our um, belief in Jesus out of thin air. You know, it was passed on um, and through the centuries. And so I would love to kind of share some of those stories um, that are kind of the foundation and the bedrock of where we got our faith today. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Tell me, uh, how do you get children interested and successful in reading the Bible on their own? Um, I think just having um, lots of, there are so many, you know, Bible storybook options now, um, so many storybooks that you can, that you can get for kids. Um, and so, you know, for my little ones, we usually have those kind of books where there are shortened versions, you know, of the Bible um, with pictures, and we read those um, 
not every day, but almost every day, especially before bed. That's kind of the, the bedtime reading book that they usually choose. And then um, kind of growing from that, from my older two, my six-year-old and my eight-year-old, um, we usually um, read through the, the real Bible, um, just with a translation that's a little bit easier for them to understand. Um, and that's what we read with them before bed. Um, so it kind of was a natural transition, at least in my family, you know, going from the picture books up into um, having a Bible reading that we go through. And we just pick a book, you know, and read through it um, a little bit at a time each night. Um, and they really enjoy it. And then we can have conversations, you know, about it and um, talk about what it is that we're learning and, you know, what that shows us about who God is and who people are. Um, so that's how it's worked for us, at least. I've got one other question for you. And, uh, and and here it is. We've got about a minute and a half left. I want you to give a final challenge on uh, what you're doing here, Laura, and uh, give us something to chew on here at the end of our chat. Sure. So my hope with these books is um, that families will be able to uh, focus on the fact that we have hope, you know, even when things are really hard and difficult. And the past few years have been really hard for so many people all across the world. Um, But even in the midst of all of the darkness, we do have hope because Jesus is the rescuer and he is right now working to make all things good and new again. And so we can rest in that hope. Well, I'm so glad that we had a chance to visit with Laura. Congratulations on your books and, uh, Keep up what you're doing. God's using you in a great way. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for having me. Uh, folks, uh, before the break here, uh, I just want to remind you that uh, we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. Uh, you can be a big help. There's a website, orlandodreamers.com. Orlandodreamers.com. Go up there, check in. Just register. Tell us you're interested. You think it's a good idea. You want to be part of this. And uh, we need to show Major League Baseball that we've got great interest here. Our market is uh, Major League size now. Orlando is the 17th largest media market in North America and growing like crazy. Uh, More here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word in Orlando, we will return and uh, uh, stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Laura Ritchie was our guest in that first segment, talking about her books, My First Easter and Just Like Jesus. Um, Bob Goff's in San Diego. He's our guest. His book, Undistracted, Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. Bob, welcome to Orlando. How are you doing? Hey, thanks a million. Great to be talking to you. Uh, Bob, tell us about this book and how it came about. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you write books, you you find the one you need. Uh, and I couldn't find this one on the shelves anywhere, and I was feeling incredibly distracted. I, I think a lot of us are. Uh, so I just started writing the stories, I think, that made sense to me about how to get a little bit less distracted from the all the crazy that's going on around you so that you can kind of rediscover what God's doing within you. Well, you open up chapter one, the destruction of distraction. What's that mean? 
Yeah, I think the, uh, there's a pretty high price tag uh, for being disconnected. What happens is that we get in proximity to each other, and we're not actually present anymore. Uh, we're thinking about the next conversation rather than the one that we're in right now. Uh, we're hoping for the next job rather than doing the job we've got right now. Uh, and so those are all good things. The next conversation is going to be great. Let's just have it when we have it. Um, and then let's stop thinking about the last conversation we had or a disagreement that maybe someone listening is thinking about how they've been thinking, oh, I should have said this or I should have said that. That's just a big distraction. Or, or speaking uh, about each other in ways that uh, wouldn't reflect who we really are. Um, sometimes in a conversation, you could start talking about somebody and realize, oh, my gosh, these are things I ought to be saying to them, not about them. These are all distractions, and they're costing us a lot. If you threw 20 bucks in a, in a bucket every time you got off on one of these side streets, you'd have a lot of cash in that bucket. You'd be broke. <laughs> so I think what I want to do is realize that it's costing us more than we think it's costing us, and that's actually destroying some of the neat opportunities that we have. Bob Goff is the author of Undistracted, Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. Topic number two, Bob, the keyhole of eternity. What's that mean? Yeah, the uh, the whole idea is sometimes we think that we have a perspective on what's going on. Well, really, it's like we're looking through a keyhole at heaven. You know, we're just like got this tiny little peak at what's in front of us. And so I, I think this sometimes... Uh, can relate to people that have a lot of certainty in their life. Um, and I'm certain about a couple things. Uh, my faith is one. My family is one. But there's a whole lot more things that I'm not certain about. And I'm not letting the things that I'm uncertain about distract me from the things that I am certain about. So sometimes what will happen with us is that we're asked to say, you know, what's your position on this? And what's your position on? And you pick the social issue of the day. Somebody wants to know your position on it. And uh, it wasn't said by me, but somebody else. There's two kinds of people out there, humble people and people that are about to be. And so I'm trying to keep in track this idea that we just don't have a the full 360 perspective that we will perhaps someday. Um, and that just keeps you humble to say, I'm, I'm seeing sometimes a smaller piece of a really big thing. Now, Bob, let's move to topic three, breaking free by coming home. Explain. Yeah, I uh, I traveled from San Diego uh, to work uh, every day for 27 years. Everybody else does the same thing with their work, but my work was in Seattle. My life was in San Diego. And so on Alaska Airlines and American, they called me Mr. G. Um, I would go up in the morning and I'd fly home for supper. <laughs> and this went on for decades. Uh, I've got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Um, one of the things that Maria, my wife, and I do, we're about 35 and a half years into this adventure together, and uh, and we're very, very different. Uh, I'm super outgoing, and the more people in the room, the better. I'm like Tigger, and she's a little bit more like the wise owl. And so we don't talk about when I travel, we don't talk about where I am. We talk about how I am. And uh, that's a great way to break through some of the distractions in your life. 
instead of having somebody who's, you know, was your spouse and then you made them somehow your business partner in the the way that you're having conversations, talk about how you are, not where you are. We do a lot of stuff with Love Does Overseas. I think we're in 11 countries, so uh, I'll often be pretty far away. But again, we just talk about how I am. And the way to do that for us, I bought a mood ring, I bet, uh, 20 years ago. For four bucks, <laughs> and I—they don't last because they're pretty cheap. But uh, every four or five years, I change it out, and we talk about what colors the ring. And she, if I'll say it's blue with a little green in it, she say, "Well, tell me about that. What does that feel like?" We don't have a, you know, a decoder ring for this thing. We just <laughs> talk about what blue with green means. That I've just had a really busy day, and uh, when people ask Maria where I am, because we don't talk about geography, she always says he's on his way home. And that's just a great way. It's a great reminder for us to be not distracted from the things that are important and always be on your way home. Now, Bob, Bob Goff is with us from San Diego, the book, Undistracted. The happiness of pursuit uh, means what? I think sometimes knowing what you're pursuing and why you're pursuing it. Sometimes what will happen is that we uh, start out doing something. It could be a job. It could be a career. It could be a relationship. Uh, but then somewhere along the line, you forget why you're doing it. Um, and so to just remind yourself. You could put three-by-five cards everywhere to remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. And this whole idea of being a new creation, like I'm new Bob. Old Bob's on the bus. So I'm always thinking about who's new Bob and what would it be that he wants to do? And like, and, and more than what do you want to do, why do you want to do it? Uh, once you figure out what you want to do, why you want to do it, then decide what you're going to do about it. Some people get kind of stuck in this kind of brain candy of thinking about it, planning it, thinking about it, planning it, but never really putting it into action. And there's a neat uh, letter uh, Paul wrote to some friends of his, he said, the only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. So that's a great reminder to me to to put some wheels on these ideas. Go pursue those big ambitions. Don't just have them be brain candy or a a distraction to you, but actually take a step. We're uh, right now trying to buy a bunch of baby formula in Ukraine uh, and in Poland uh, to get to these refugees and people who have been caught up in the war. Uh, It would be one thing to just say, wouldn't it be swell if, and the other thing, get on the phone to Nestle and order it. So that's kind of like before I jumped on the phone with you, that's what we were doing. Well, Bob, let's move on to uh, topic five. How many fingers am I holding up? Question mark. You're going to have to explain that one to us. Yeah. It's been a while since I wrote the chapters. I'm not sure I remember each uh, story that is around that. Uh, but uh, sometimes kind of keeping in, in mind uh, when we take a spill, when we have something go wrong, the classic stereotypical idea is, uh, you know, like if you can try to figure out somebody's really with you and back fully present, you'll say, okay, how many fingers am I holding up? And it's a reminder to be just fully present, to kind of wake up from some of the stuff that's caused you to just kind of numb out. Um, and sometimes there's some really bad things that have happened. Uh, things have happened to you. Things have happened to me. 
you're listening, things didn't happen, but we don't need to be stuck there. We don't need to over-identify with the worst thing that happened, and we don't need to over-identify with the best thing that has happened. What we want to do is show up undistracted each day, uh, fully aware, head on a swivel, looking for the opportunities that uh, all the things that have happened in your life present. They kind of conspire towards this moment. What are you going to do with it? Great question, Bob. But we uh, move on. All access pass, topic six. Explain more. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, uh, uh, that uh, comes from a, a friend who plays lead guitar for uh, a real popular country western singer. And uh, they were pulling through town on this world tour. And uh, my friend asked me, do you want to come to the show? And I was thinking, well, yeah, of course, because I couldn't afford a ticket. It was sold out anyway. And uh, so he said, well, I'll leave one at Will Call. And I got this envelope that said Bob on it. And I felt like Willy Wonka. And I took my ticket and started going up the stairs, you know, to the nosebleed section. And when I got there, the guy looked at the ticket and he said, you're in the wrong section. And I was like, I was thinking that, you know, the next uh, flight of stairs leads to the roof. And he said, no, 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 this ticket will get you down on the main floor. And so I ran down to the main floor, pretty stoked that I had a, uh, a better seat than I was counting on. And when I got there, the guy looked at my ticket and he said, ah, you're in the wrong section. And I was thinking I was going to have to walk up to the nosebleed section again. And he said, no, 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 this ticket will get you into the mosh pit. I was like, that's awesome. Wasn't sure what a mosh pit was, but what the heck? And so I ran down to the mosh pit. I had everybody there by 15 years, and the, the guys looked at my ticket and then talked to each other. They looked at it again, and they said, buddy, this is an all-access pass. Like, you can go anywhere with this thing. And I think the point of the story was uh, when it comes to the topic of being undistracted is sometimes we, we think that we need permission to do things that we already have permission to do. And so to realize that we have this period of time in our life, about 4,000 weeks, give or take a little bit, a little more if you eat broccoli and a little bit less if you eat Pop-Tarts, but you got this period of time. What are you going to do with the time that you got? Well, Bob, that's a good question for all of us, isn't it? But in the meantime, Jesus is in the room. Topic number yeah. topic seven. Yeah, these, uh, uh, there was a band that rolled into town another time, and I was talking to them before they went out and played their show, and there was a guy sitting at the end of the table. I didn't know who he was, but I just assumed you must know somebody in the band. And So we were talking some more, and this guy's just down there kind of looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, it felt, he wasn't trying to be creepy, but it just felt odd to like have this guy there. I don't know who he was, and he didn't say anything. He just sat there staring. And uh, so anyway, it was time for the band to get out and do their show. And me and this guy at the end of the table walked uh, around the uh, perimeter to get to our seats. And we slipped in through the side door. And when I walked in, nobody thought a thing about it. But, man, when he walked through this door, people lost their minds. And it turns out he, he's an actor. His name is Jim Caviezel. And in The Passion of Christ, he was the Messiah. And I kind of laughed to myself thinking that I'd been in the room with Jesus for an hour, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> and so this whole idea of being uh, less distracted by <clears throat> all the things going on around you and figure out who's in the room. 
And that's the promise of the scriptures, that Jesus said, I'll be in the room. Bob, tell us about no stalking, please. Yeah, the uh, thing that comes, I've written uh, four books that have ended up on the Times, and this one just arrived there as number seven, I think. And uh, one of the things that has come with that is that you have people that figure out where you live, and it's a little creepy. Because <laughs> I didn't invite them over, but they got to show up, and it really creeps out <laughs> my beautiful wife. Um, and so um, I was thinking about stalkers. If I knew something that you had done last weekend, or if I knew somewhere you ate breakfast this morning, uh, wouldn't that feel a little odd to you? Be like, like we don't know each other enough to know for you to know that. Um, and so uh, that's what stalkers do. They have a bunch of information about people they don't really know. When it came to my faith, I could have told you, you know, who Jesus' mom was and the names of his friends he spent, where he turned some water into wine. I had all this information. I could have probably told you how many boats are floating on the Sea of Galilee. But uh, I, there was such a long period of time I felt like I was just didn't know him, and I feel honestly like I'm still getting to know him. Um, but I don't want to stalk Jesus. Um, stalkers would just find out information without really having a relationship with anybody. And so that was the point of telling the story of no stalkers, that I don't want to be stalking Jesus. I want to actually know him and then get all the information. Uh, instead of like kind of sitting in a row rather than a circle and learning like I'm in a classroom, but not having any real connection. Bob Goff is our guest. He's in San Diego. We're talking about his book, Undistracted. Capture your purpose. Rediscover your joy. We have another segment. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM90. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Best-selling author Bob Goff is our guest. We're talking about his book, Undistracted. Capture your purpose, rediscover your joy. Bob, Chapter 9 is about tooth fairies and shrinking airplanes. There must be a story here somewhere. <laughs> As said in uh, Matthew 13, that Jesus never spoke to anybody without telling them a story. And I think I know why. Uh, because we connect with stories. Um, that we can tell a story or hear a story, and it's a way to bring us closer together. Sometimes the stories that we believe are a little bit misplaced. There was a story about a kid who um, found the uh, tooth under uh, her blanket or pillow, and the uh, she told her buddy that uh, the person who'd put it there was like, and they gave the name, and uh, and and so her friend went home and said, "I know who the tooth fairy is, and it's Mister, you know, whatever," and uh, and so we start spreading these uh, ideas that are. It starts with a myth, and then it starts uh, uh, morphing into something else. The same thing about a young kid who, it was, I think, an NPR radio special, and the kid 
thought people, when they saw an airplane take off, the airplane got smaller. And so they thought the people must get smaller because the airplane gets smaller. Uh, and from a young person's perspective, I could see how you could get confused. Sometimes what we do, and it becomes a distraction for us, is we have these myths. And then we make the myth a truth in our life because we've just heard it a lot. Uh, for instance, the myth, uh, never go to the grocery store when, and then everybody would say, you're hungry. And I think that's just stupid. I think if you're hungry, you ought to go to the grocery store because it's full of food. But sometimes we take these myths and we make them real and they become distractions in our life. And so what I want us to do is to figure out what are the myths, what are the stories you told, uh, and then can we just revisit those and say, is that really true? Was it ever true? Or is it still true? Maybe it was a true at one time. Once you see something in your life, then if you can move to understand it, then you can do something about it. Um, a lot of us just don't see the kind of myths that we've been living out in our lives. If we can't see it, then we can't understand it, and we can't kind of bring it to God to fix it. Let's talk about... Uh... Topic number 10, count yourself among the stars. Yeah, I think the uh, whole idea of uh, seeing ourselves is one of these really unique creations. It's never been before, will never be again. is isn't just the idea of, you know, how unique your fingerprint is and how snowflakes, no two are alike. But to actually see, but pause over yourself, hover over yourself. That's what God did when he created the earth. He hovered over it. He saw what he'd created, and he decided that was really good. I think I, this isn't a, about living a self-absorbed life, but I try to understand what is it that God's uniquely created in you? Like, I'm a really fun guy. I've always been a fun guy. Um, and I, I've, when I hover over that, I think, like, why is that? And uh, and I think I'm just kind of wired that way, just like there's other people that are wired to be kind of mellow. Uh, and that's terrific, too. Figure out what God has done with you, hover over it, and just say, what am I going to do with that now? It comes from Second uh, Timothy 1.6, to fan into a flame, uh, this unique God gift that God has given you. And so you have a gift with sports and all kinds of things to do that. I've got nothing. I, my only sport is cheesecake. <laughs> so <laughs> there'll be some things that interest you and don't interest me. And there's other things that interest me and don't interest you. And, and so instead of us trying to be like each other, why don't we just be like whoever God has created us to be? Uh, a distraction comes from comparison. When I compare my career to your career, I mean, gosh, you'd be, put a big team together, you've accomplished so much. If, if I start comparing what I did to what you did and then walked away, it's a distraction. And here's the promise. God never compares what he creates. He just created you. So figure it out what he created when he made you and then fan that into a flame. Great thought. Next topic, cease fire, exclamation point. What's up? Yeah, I think sometimes what we do is spend a lot of time aiming at each other. Uh, I'm a lawyer. I've been practicing law for 32 years. And here's the crazy part. I haven't lost a case yet. Isn't that awesome? And it isn't because I'm a great lawyer. I'm a great picker. I only pick cases nobody could lose. 
And sometimes every people will approach everything like it's a battle of the wills or or even decision that they need to make, that it's somehow a decision between, you know, good and evil or right and wrong. And it doesn't always work out that way. Just because something went wrong, it's not the result of a cosmic battle, perhaps, between good and evil. Maybe it just didn't turn out. And so what I want to do is not get distracted by sometimes lofty explanations of really simple things. But I also don't want to lose the lofty explanation that God might be at work in something. So it's like kind of keeping your head again on a swivel to see what's up. But um, I'm not prone towards big cosmic explanations uh, for why I got a parking ticket. I think it's because I parked in the red. I was just overlapping a little bit. Um, and so instead of playing either the hero or the victim in all the circumstances, I think I want to be just a participant. And I think that's what God invites us to. I've spent so many years trying to bring God's successes, and I think what he's always asking for us is just our participation. Let's talk, Bob, about uh, topic number 12. It's called the wrong button. Explain that. Yeah. Yeah, most of us remember about, it must have been four or five years ago now, that uh, in Hawaii uh, when that uh, missile alert was sent out. Do you remember that when that thing went out around the globe? I do. Yeah, there was a guy who just pressed the wrong button. <laughs> and, and and then everybody's aware of the consequences. It's an inbound ballistic missile. And this notice went out to, you know, all across the Hawaiian island chain. And people were, you know, filling their tubs with water and putting kids down manholes and heading for tunnels to hide in and, you know, the tensions were high with uh, North Korea at the time, still are. And uh, and so uh, the guy made a mistake, and it was a costly mistake. He lost his job. Um, but I think that what we do is that we all have a similar uh, – our consequences might not have been as big as his consequences in terms of how many people were set in motion and all of the panic that ensued from him making that mistake. Um, but I think we all press the wrong button every once in a while. Some will go way wrong, and it's what you do next that will say a lot about where you are in your faith. Um, do you camp out in that setback? I just think what we do is recognize it was a setback. It was something that we wish wouldn't have happened. We would have done it different. We would have you know, not shown up if we thought it was going to lead to that kind of calamity. But what I don't want us to do is make – uh, a setback, a campsite. And I think sometimes we start over-identifying with that uh, problem that happened. Um, this guy uh, has moved on. <laughs> he lost a job. Uh, but I figured out who he was and, uh, and uh, reached out. <laughs> and, I, and here's the reason. I don't want him to think that he's a mess-up just because he messed up. Um, because I've messed up a whole bunch. You've messed up a whole bunch. I just, mine have not been as evident as his was. Um, and I think that's the reminder I wanted to have people. I don't want to get distracted by all the things that are behind us. Bob, we've got about 40 seconds. Uh, what do you want to, people to take from your book? I want people to have a renewed focus on the things that are going to last. Faith, 
family, uh, a couple good friends that God's dropped in your life, and to refocus on those things and really show up. Don't be in proximity with those people. Actually be fully present, undistracted. My guest, Bob Goff, author of Undistracted, Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. I think the book will mean a lot to you. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We have a wrap-up that's going to come right after these messages. And, of course, you're plugged into the new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Laura Ritchie joined us in that first segment from Oklahoma City, talking about her two books, My First Easter, and Just Like Jesus. And then we went out to the West Coast, found Bob Goff, and had a good chat with him about his new book, Undistracted. Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. And speaking of books, uh, our latest book is out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. It's a devotional book with a sports theme for every day. And then followed up by a spiritual message. I think you'll get some value out of it, sports fan or not. But if you love sports, this uh, you'll find this book. Well, we haven't found one that was written uh, like that way, and that's why we did it. I wrote it with my friend Mark Atterbury, Advantage Media Group. Go up to Amazon and and uh, check it out. I think you'll be pleased. We're back next weekend for more right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Stay plugged in all day long and you'll be better off for it. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.